And uh, let's see, who could we possibly have in the virtual Skype studio tonight? Do I hear a Mr. Colin Savage somewhere there? Indeed you do, yes. How are you doing, Colin? Uh, Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Fantastic. And uh, just uh, reading out my little school-type register, do we have Bubbles Ray? (laughs) Ray Bubbles. I'm glad you said peanuts earlier on. I I had to do a double take. I'm, uh, and before you ask, I'm very well sat here, still in Paris. I've got another full day tomorrow, so I'll try and relax. And then uh, I'm heading off to Germany for a couple of weeks. You do get around, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> he does get around. He does get around. And his little YouTube channel has broken through the 1,000 mark. So congratulations to you, Ray. Now, let's, let's get started, guys. I didn't enjoy this game. It was far too end-to-end for me, but... Before we get into this, let's just uh, confirm it was Everton 1, Manchester City 3. The lineup did uh, cause a few individuals to scratch their heads. Let me just go through it for you. Ederson, Walker, Otamendi, Fernandinho, Zinchenko, De Bruyne, Rodri, Gundogan, and that's the only time you're going to hear that pronounced correctly on this podcast, Mares, Gabriel Jesus, Sterling. Now, guys. Everyone was going off on one a little bit about the fact that we had uh, Mr. Aguero and uh, Silva B and Silva D on the bench. Colin, what did you think? Well, to be honest, I, I was out. I, I only got in um, just as the match started or a couple of minutes, just in time to see Theo Walcott being stretched off. Um, so I didn't see the team beforehand. Gundy, when I think, he, he, you know, he plays his best in that number six role, doesn't he? I think, and... Um, but on the other hand, you think we've got to save David Silva's legs. David Silva's in his final season, unless he makes a dramatic kind of reversal in his thinking. So we've got to save his legs. Bernardo hasn't done it this season, really, so far. I think we knew Everton was going to be a scrap. You know, that lineup didn't worry me overly. That's right. And obviously, I think if it's a straight fight between Bernardo Silva and. Uh... And Maris, there's only one winner at the moment. But um, my goodness, how did you feel about the game, Ray? Have you recovered sufficiently? It was a tough game, tough all take. I, I mean, personally, I've got to say about the lineup. I always generally say start with your best team. And for me, Aguero is better than Gabby Jesus. For all the good stuff that Gabby Jesus brings, Aguero is better. And my only concern was that maybe Mr. Guardiola has an eye onto the Champions League. If we beat Dinamo Zagreb comfortably next week, then we're pretty much going to should be topping our group. So that was my only concern that we weren't putting out our best team. I think Aguero would have made a difference, but it was a tough old game. It was a tough game to watch. Uh, there were periods where we were played where we were just fantastic. We were awesome, sublime, and then there were periods of play sometimes very soon after where we were ridiculous, poor, catastrophic, making silly fouls when we know, especially around our box, when we know 
we're fallible from corners and free kicks. Sloppy play, lazy play, missing open chances. Does that sound like City of the last few seasons? Colin Savage, um, I didn't actually realise that they were sponsored by the Angry Birds, but Everton were playing like Angry Birds, and I just I just knew that they were going to play up against us. You knew that too, didn't you? Well, of course, yeah. That Everton game, Goodison, always worries me. Uh, last season, we won 2-0. That was a scrap, and we got two. I think we scored with virtually the last kick of each half last season. So it's always a tough scrap. They're, they're always up for a game against us. They've not showed anything bef- really before that this season to suggest their, that quality is there. But they always seem to love their game against us, and um, it's always a tough place to go, and I'm re- always really pleased when we come out of there with three points, to be honest. So in one sense, I mean, Ray's right. I mean, we were we had 15, 20 minutes at the beginning where we looked very, very threatening. And perhaps about 10 minutes at the end where we looked well well in control, certainly after the, after the third goal. But the, the bit in between, the, the kind of hour in between, we were a lot of the time we were all over the place. And, and it was almost a queuing up to see who could make the daftest mistake. And even from players, you wouldn't expect it. Luckily, uh, Ray, we have a, a man in goal called Mr. Aderson. Mm. He made a couple of obviously crucial saves. There was uh, one uh, in the second half, I remember, from, uh, I think it was uh, Mina, one of their defenders, inexplicably was being marked by Alex Zinchenko. I don't understand that. When I, I did a bit of research, there's eight inches difference in their heights, apparently, according to Wikipedia. Eight inches is a hell of a lot. Zinchenko's got no chance. I mean, I think Mina even well out jumps uh, Otsumendi for one. Uh, Edison made a, a save he should have made, but um, that was hit into the ground and then was straight at him and tipped it over. And another very good save, I think, from a corner where the ball was headed down towards the just inside the post and he, he dived well just to push it away. We needed him today. And I think he, yeah, he, 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 he did, his, uh, did his proud. Nonetheless, Colin, amid all of this pandemonium on the field, same old De Bruyne always assisting. Yeah, I mean, even when he's not having... I, I don't think he had one of his best games today by any stretch of the imagination. But um, he's always got something in his locker, hasn't he? I mean, that that's the quality of the guy. And, you know, he's got to be... You know, we talk about Messi and Ronaldo or maybe Neymar, but he's got to be up there in the top five or six players in Europe, surely. Uh, but and even like today, I say today, it wasn't one of his. I don't think it was one of his best games. Um, but there's there's always that one cross, and I think it kind of sums up his season so far. You know, he hasn't hit. I don't think he's even hit third gear yet, let alone fourth or overdrive. But there's always that one cross in him, and that was an absolute perler for that first goal. Just absolutely, you know, the, if if the, you know the computer on the um, moon landing shuttle would have struggled to compute that um you know trajectory but kevin it just someone said this about footballers actually i read it somewhere about uh, there's this popular notion that it always about david beckham being a bit thick but, but <laughs> and someone said but you know he in his head in an instant can compute the speed and trajectory of a ball to land it on someone's foot and, and, and you know, it was a good good example, really. But is it, even so, even though he didn't have a great game, there was that he's always fighting for the ball, uh, and, and there's always that one cross, one or two uh, crosses in him that that will give you a goal. And uh, Ray Gabriel Jesus made the best of it, didn't he? That was quite a good um, finish from him. It was. I mean, obviously the goalie was uh, in, in the in the vicinity. 
Um, he got his head on the ball and he, he was like diving. His, his body was all over the shop, actually. His legs are akimbo, his arms everywhere. But the main thing was he got his head to the ball. The cross was so good, it just needed a touch. And it didn't matter where the rest of your body was. And he, you know, he was flying through the air to, to head that uh, goal. Uh, it, as I said, it just needed that touch. I've got to give Mares a, a good mention, a uh, commendation here, because, I mean, it was his. Um, uh, driving uh, towards the box. He made uh, that Luca Dini look like a fool. Uh, he committed himself and Mara just tapped the ball one side of him, ran the other, uh, charged into the box. And it, it's, an, it's a regular thing. When we have somebody go, driving into the box, the opposition generally put two men, two men chasing him, trying to, uh, to block him. And then they leave somebody else floating, coming through. And that the person they left, the, the last person on the pitch that should just leave, just wandering on the pitch, was KDB. And Mares, I mean, it's a well-worn path now. Mares has the ball. He rolls that to KDB. KBD, um, KDB normally gets a first-time crossing. A uh, lot of uh, swerve and curl on it. And it's going. the goalie knows it's going away from him, so we can't get there. The defenders are not sure exactly what's going on. And if someone's made the right move, last week it was David Silver in the first minute. This week it was um, uh, Gabby Jesus. They just have to arrive at the right time. And it's pretty much a tap-in. And that's what it was. De Bruyne is so good. You could just stick a couple of training dummies uh, there in front of the goalkeeper and they would, it, the crosses would just bounce off them and into the net. He's that good. But don't you worry about that, my friends. We are going to talk about Mares. We are going to talk about Mares, But that will come um, a little bit later. Colin Savage, um, clear this one up for me. Why were we wearing the rhubarb and custard third kit? Wouldn't, wouldn't our away kit have done? Uh, it, I, I don't know, actually. Uh, I, I suspect there's a um, contractual agreement with Puma that we have to wear it a set number of times. We wore it on um, Tuesday night, of course, at Preston, um, which, which um, caused some amused comment. Um, I, the only thing I think of was, you know, you certainly couldn't wear the home kit because you've got two blue shirts, even though it's completely different shades. Maybe the dark away kit, although you can't mistake it for an Everton shirt. So, I, I, I don't know, maybe, um, I don't know, why we wore that kit particularly. Maybe, maybe the reason is we've sold out of the away kit because it has been a, such a popular kit. And, um, uh, in fact, yeah. it was often... You have to put it in the shops, kit. yeah. You have to, yeah in, funny funny enough, actually, I, I was talking to the uh, retail controller uh, the other day and uh, he was saying that the kit sales have completely exceeded their expectations, yeah. particularly so the away kit. Now they're trying to pump the third kit because no one's buying it. So that's the only kit they've got left. So put it on show, sell another few hundred uh, shirts. Maybe that's the plan. Fill me in here, guys. I actually went up to make a cup of tea. Uh, and when I came down, um, poor Theo Walcott was being stretched off. I didn't quite get to see what happened to him. What happened? I mean, that was, I mean, it's the first minute. So I'll, I'll talk you through the first minute. So City, we were at it from the kickoff. We took the kickoff. We didn't pass the ball backwards. We were going forwards. We were we had intensity, some slick passes with a lot of pace. Um, we got Mares down uh, on the uh, the right. He cut in. He had a shot which um, Jordan Pickford pushed to the side. Sterling got the ball. We're still in the first minute. It's, uh, Theo Walcott kind of turned his back on it a bit, and it seemed to hit the side or uh, his head. And if it was like uh, and he went down like a sack of spuds. Um, 
and it was very much like what sometimes you get with the cricketers when they get bounced and they turn their head away and it hits them in a delicate area under the ear or uh, on the neck and that can be dangerous and um, he looked he seemed very groggy and disoriented. Are you and sure it was Sterling that hit it? Was it not Alex Kolarov? That's what he does. Was, <laughs> that's what he does to people. I think, to be honest, it's just where it must have been. Just it hit him in a certain spot that um, you know pretty much uh, left him out on his. And he wasn't on his feet. He's like a boxer who'd probably taken twelve rounds with uh, Nassim Hamed and got uh, pulverized all the way through. Um, if you don't know who Nassim Hamed is, guys. Go, go and check. He's one uh, of uh, my my, my, chi- my my childhood hero. Yes, indeed. And um, my look up. Your look. Your your look alike. Yeah. So he was down, and you know, he's down for five or six minutes, and then we stretched it off, and he'd only just got back into uh, the Everton team. So it was a real shame for the lad. You know, you don't want to see people get hurt. We went. He had to go to hospital for for tests, and you know, I, I don't um, remember hearing any further news on him. So I suspect he'll be kept in overnight for observation. Um, but he did look very, very groggy um, after he'd been hit. Colin Savage, that lead that we uh, we got through Gabby J, orchestrated, of course, by Misters Mares and and De Bruyne, uh, didn't last for very long. It must have been less than what, but ten minutes, and then uh, Calvert Lewin struck yeah, for them. Yeah, I mean, it was ten minutes, and Everton suddenly woke up and started coming forward. But even so, uh, it was a mistake, defensive error that gifted well. Two errors, really, that gifted them that goal. Um, the ball came in and Fernandinho took a swing at it and just didn't connect at all. And the ball rolled to one of the Everton players. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think the Everton player was so surprised the ball came off him. Fernandinho had a second chance to clear it and muff, muffed his tackle. Uh, the Everton player got past him and um, the, the, um, the ball, I think, went out, to the, went out to the wing and there was a shout for offside, but it never... It never was. The ball came in and it was um, headed home. The Everton player, Coleman, yeah, it was Coleman, took it wide and dinked it over Ederson. And it probably would have... It was a bit like that Gabby Jesus, Raheem Sterling goal at Wembley against Watford, the second one. Um, It it probably would have gone in anyway. It looked as though it was going to go in anyway. But um, Calvert-Lewin just nodded it over just to make sure over the line. And the City players were appealing for offside, but he was nowhere near offside. So it was a really, it it was a really poor piece of defending. Um, And and Carol Walker wasn't too bad, but I don't think any of any of the other three of the back four covered themselves in glory today by any stretch of imagination. I I think that, I mean, the cross that was put in was no one bothered to try and stop the cross coming in. We know where we've got a problem uh, with height at the back and crosses and stuff. Why did they just let an easy cross come in? I don't understand it. And you're right, Colin, Fernandino, I don't know why. He, basically, he couldn't have passed it any better if he tried to evolve no. it. But there was luck as well. I mean, you know, he put a tackle in. We had three men around the wall bit. I think Fernandino put the tackle in and the ball squirmed out, ricocheted out to, to the right where just Coleman was just standing, uh, doing nothing. And uh, yeah, his shot was, uh, his dink was going in. Calvert-Lewin, he, the ball was actually on the line when Calvert-Lewin connected with it. But, the, you know, he's a forward. He's desperate for goals. So, you know, you can't, uh, can't blame him for that. But that was a disappointment. With, uh, like Colin has said, our, our defence was, to be honest, it was too often. It was all over the shop. And it's not, people are just going to pick on the defence. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm loath to do that. I, I want to pick on, not pick on, but look at other players around the pitch and say it's not just the defence. When we have 75% of the ball or 70% possession, 
The defence aren't called upon that often. And we can get away with maybe not the best defenders in the business. Um, but when when we're having when we're down to fifty five percent or fifty percent possession and other teams are going for it, then those defenders are tested much more rigorously. And they were tested rigorously today. And we 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 can see what they are. They're not the best at defending. They're better coming forwards. They're better you know on the ball. They're better you know, um, being inverted fullbacks or whatever. Our team and system is set up to go forward, control the ball, and score goals. It's not a team that's set up to defend uh, for long periods of time under pressure, and and, yeah. and it showed. And so that that was. So you got to look at not just at the defense. I mean, I want to look. I, I always want to look at the attackers who are not scoring the goals when we've got the opportunities. We've simply got to become somehow a lot more clinical. And if we were, if we were clinical, um, Maros would have had a couple more assists. He had a great ball after eight minutes, crossed the box. Uh, he played well on the right. Crossed the ball, uh, ball into uh, Ilke Gundogan. Is that how you say it? Gundogan? And Gundogan. Gundogan. And uh, he, from about four yards out, hit the crossbar. Now, Jeffrey Boycott's grandmother with a stick of rhubarb could have stuck that ball away. How uh, Gundogan ma- managed to hit the, the crossbar from three or four yards is... I, I'm still. I, I don't believe it. Don't think but, it was even three or four yards, was it? Well, I, I'm, maybe maybe I'm being generous to him uh, because I can't say his name, so I'm being nicer to him. Uh, but he should have stuck that away, and that's the, that's the story of City. It's, and Pepper said the same. He said after Watford, he said we had five chances in 20 minutes. We scored five times against Norwich. We couldn't do it against Spurs. We had about 30 chances or 30 shots. We only scored two. Spurs had. Uh, two shots on target, they scored two. Norwich had four shots on target, they, they scored three. We had another 20 shots or whatever against Norwich. Plenty of shots. We're just not scoring enough goals for the, uh, for the amount of chances and shots we have. And it was the same again to do. I mean, we could have been 3-0 up before Everton scored. And to be honest, if we were 3-0 up, Everton wouldn't have scored because they'd have given up by then. How do you solve that? Uh, that's, 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 that's just the point. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was... It was... I didn't really enjoy Fernandinho blotting his copybook like that because actually, probably I was the only person that I, I thought that he was getting up and heading the ball like a salmon in in uh, moments in the game. And I, I was impressed by that. So it was a shame that that happened. Um, and uh, yeah, guys, it was, um, it was, as I said before, it was far too end-to-end for my liking. And uh, obviously we got six minutes extra added on at the end of the first half. Uh, hoping that we could stick in, stick one in, and and go maybe go in at two one at halftime, but just didn't have. Tell you what, that Seamus Coleman, he was a pain in our backside all the way through that game. They they really played well. How did? You, uh, it's quite interesting to see Delph playing against us. How was he for you? Um, I thought Colin? he played very well. I mean, he was very solid in midfield. Uh, you, you rarely saw him misplace a pass. He seemed well in control, and uh, I thought he had a very good game. Yeah, I mean, it was just that. Basically, they were really, really up for it. And, of course, uh, they really could have done with uh, getting a point or two. Ray predicted on the last pod that if they had lost this big, the manager could have been, you know, on the way out the door. But I think think it was a a, a good performance by them. And he'll probably stave that off, actually, Ray. Yeah, I mean, there was a fan I did a preview with said he thinks he'll get to the end of the season. I I just believe uh, there's no way they're going to give him the boot now. You know, They've, they've had, was it four managers since uh, David Moyes um, went to United um, six years ago? So 
it's too it's too many. You've got to give somebody some con- continuity, give them time to uh, make make the changes. Um, and I, whether he will or he won't, I'm, I don't think he will. To be honest, uh, I, I don't think he'll get past this season. We don't know. I mean, you know, Everton could go on a decent run. They've got the players. Um, they could go on a decent run, and and they've got a good sometimes good. They had good tactics apart from the first ten or fifteen minutes. I think they played pretty well, and they had this idea of sticking Sigurdsson on Rodri, so that Rodri, who we normally would pass the ball to Rodri, he turn. Look for a short pass or a long pass. Very good at pass. He's, he's passing stats, pass completion stats are usually incredible. Almost 100% every game. They had Sigurdsson there, so we, he couldn't do that, uh, you know, get the ball and turn. And all he could do in, uh, was pass it back to Otamendi. So Otamendi had to try and break the lines and start our attacks, which isn't ideal. Until we scored, Everton were just defending, they were too defensive. And as soon as they, as we scored, they threw caution to the wind because, you know, losing two or three nil is the same as losing one nil. So you might as well go for it. And they took risks. Uh, and all credit to them. And, you know, and I've said it for the last, this is the third season I'm saying it. You've got to do more than just aim to defend and hit us on the break or get a, a free kick and score or a corner. You've got to have a go. As in, look what happens. They had a real good go at our defence. And our defence crumbled. So other teams should take note. Norwich had a go at us and our defence struggled. Have a go at City. You can beat us. Despite what uh, Ray said there, um, Rodri impresses the heck out of me, actually, Colin. Um, I've said this before, haven't I, that um, normally a player comes into a Pep Guardiola team and it takes them a season to settle in. We've seen it with Bernardo, we've seen it with Riyad Mahrez, we've seen it with uh, Sterling. But players get Players struggle to adapt to Pep but he recognises the quality they've got and eventually they come good. But with Rodri, there's been no settling in period. I mean, he's just walked into the team and he's, um, he's playing like he's been there for 10 years. And there we had it actually going into halftime. It was uh, 1-1, didn't get the breakthrough. Any other points that you'd like to make about that first half, either so of you? There's a very good chance um, for Sigurdsson on the 40th minute where the ball was put over our uh, defence. Uh, over our centre-backs. At the time, it was Fernandinho and Zinchenko who were the two guys uh, at the back. Zinchenko, I-, I was disappointed with him today. He could see Sigerson in front of him. He was behind, you know, he- his vision could see everything. Whereas Sigerson was behind Fernandinho. Fernandinho was watching the ball. The ball was played uh, Fernandinho and Zinchenko for Sigerson to run onto. And Zinchenko did nothing, absolutely nothing. And uh, if Sigurdsson had control the ball better, he should. He, he really ought to have scored. You know, basic defending. It's, it, I can't say anything good about the way they play. It's, it's just the basic of defending. The ball's hit over. You can see the man. You can see the run. You can see the ball. Shift yourself. Don't just watch it. And he was caught like a rabbit in the headlights just watching that ball come over. And we got a lucky break. You know, it just kind of summed up our defensive performance today. Yeah, one thing I was not able to understand, Colin, was I was looking through Stuart Brennan's um, uh, marks up 10 for each player and he gave a 7 to Zinchenko. How does that work exactly? Uh, I think he pulls no matter of a hat. Um, look at, I, I was just I was looking at his ratings before we came on and uh, some of them are... You know, I thought Ed Erson, he, he's given a 7-2. I thought he did really well, much yeah. better than a 7 because I think he was definitely a contender for Man of the Match alongside Mares. You know, to give him more than Fernandinho is bizarre. And the same as Rodri and the same as De Bruyne. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't want to kind of persecute Zinchenko, but there were a couple of silly, silly fouls given away where he didn't need to in areas. That was the thing, wasn't it? It was, it was giving away free kicks constantly in dangerous areas. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that rating, but it's all about opinions, isn't it? I think that one's wrong, to be honest. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. Um, so I guess we were all hoping that uh, there was going to be the the pep talk at halftime, the rocket up the backsides, and we would come out, Ray, in, at the beginning of the second half and, and give them what for? Well, we did for the first few minutes, same as the first half, we came out strong. We came out stronger at the start of the second half. Um, within the first minute, Gondon had a shot blocked. A couple of minutes later, KDB went through in the box uh, on his right foot, right-hand side, sorry, had the ball on his right. Dinia challenged him. Now, if that was Harry Kane, he'd have just left his leg there and gone over, and it would have been an obvious stonewall penalty. But it's KDB, uh, and KDB stayed on his feet, uh, and he carried on going, and uh, he had a shot which went into the side netting. So we we actually did. I thought we started for the first three or four minutes. We were uh, on. We were back at it again, but very quickly, we we started to allow uh, uh, Everton to outmuscle us to get the ball. And we just got back into that bad habit of committing cheap fouls and, and being all over the shop. And I just don't know how, how we can have a... It's like a switch. We come out, start off two or three minutes really well, and then just decide, well, we've, we've, we've had a go for a bit. Let's just uh, take our foot off the pedal. I don't understand it because once we were at Everton, we looked really, really good. But if, you, if, if the other team have got more heart than you, you know, people might uh, disagree with that com- this comment. If they got more heart than you, then you're asking for trouble. And you've got to, as usual, earn the right. You've got to earn the right to play your football. And if you're not going to put enough effort in uh, and, and have enough quality about you, then you're not going to earn the right to play the brand of football that you want to play. Obviously, psychologically, I guess we all knew before the game started that Liverpool had jammy, jammy, jammy their way to a one-goal win against uh, Sheffield United, wasn't it? They are a team that, that know how to defend, aren't they, Colin? Yeah, um, you know, they've been lucky, haven't they? I know it sounds like sour grapes, but they've not suffered any serious injuries in the way we have. So you know, if they lost Van Dijk like, we lost, like we've lost the port, um, they would be in trouble. And of course, they've had that luck again, that bit of luck again with a goalkeeper just gifting them a goal. But, you know, it, it, you know, games are there to be won, aren't they? And, and you take your chances. But um, I think the thing is that they, obviously, they tapped up Van Dyke. They got done for tapping up Van Dyke. But they knew who they wanted and they knew what he would bring to the team. And, and, and to be fair to him, he's a bit like Rodri. He stepped straight into that team and he's um, he's done a really great job for them. It's just the thing that's that's bothering me, guys, is it's the fact that um, they look rock solid at the back, Liverpool, and um, we obviously have our... Our issues, but uh, let's uh, take this pod in a slightly more positive direction by talking about my my new favourite player, Riyad Mahrez. Absolutely fantastic. Let's switch it over to Ray first of all. This man was on fire. He, he played a crucial goal, I think. In, in oh all yeah, yeah. Goals. I mean, he he was uh, creating opportunities like the, uh, I said in the first half with uh, Gundogan, where where he should really have scored. That was Mahrez's magic. Maris scored from a free kick to make it 2-1. I think it was a foul by Mina on uh, Kevin De Bruyne. And uh, I think it was Paul from Pitford. Maris, we knew where he was probably going to have a pop. He's going to pop at the far post. And I think Pickford, without seeing it again on replay, he kind of may have felt that it's going to go. Maris can only go over the wall because Pickford was on that side. And he was uh, slow to get down. And he really should have saved that. 
And then there's another opportunity that Maris created, which should have been another goal, where he played uh, Raheem Sterling through. And Raheem Sterling just had to pass the ball into the net. And he passed it the wrong side of the post. I think he had a, after starting, Bradley had a poor, poor game for me. Too many mistakes, uh, even though he did um, score a goal. Uh, but too many simple mistakes. And he lost his, um, his, his, his threat. You know, he relies on his pace and his dribbling and everything else. But he, he just seemed to lose his way. But Mares, look, Mares, you know, work, working with KDB, that's uh, it's magic. The two of them, it's, it's becoming regular now. It's not monotonous, just regular and consistent that Mares will take some men on in, in the last third of the pitch. Then he'll pass the ball back to KDB, who's got time and space to deliver a pinpoint wicked cross for someone to come in and, 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 and tap in. So it's great that they've got that chemistry going on. For me, Mares is quite possibly been our player of the season so far. He's been involved, like in the first game against West Ham, involved in all five goals. He's played in a 5-0, a 4-0, a 3-0, an 8-0, uh, and now another win. So, uh, crucial performances from Mares. And to all those naysayers from last season, uh, ridiculed him and said some not-so-nice things about him and said he's not good enough to play for this City team. Hopefully, uh, they've eaten a, a little bit of humble pie and now they, they'll get uh, off his back and support him. Yeah, Colin Savage, a nice little tweet out from Gary Lineker saying that um, seeing Kevin De Bruyne and Mares on the right-hand side should be illegal. And um, he's, given Pep, he's, he's, he's given Pep quite a selection headache because if you are insistent that uh, Bernardo Silva's only position in the team is on the right wing, he's just so reluctant to play him as a number eight, then you've given yourself a big headache because Mares is getting close to undroppable as far as I can see. Uh, yeah, I think he is. Um, a great credit to him because um, he, he had a very indifferent season last season, but a lot of people ask the question, why well, would we buy a player like Riyad Mahrez? Because he doesn't seem to fit the pattern at all. But, but, but what we're seeing now is he's, uh, and I've said this before, you know, he will learn. I think last season he's... Um, his main MO was to kind of take the ball inside and have a shot, which is what he did for Leicester, to be fair enough. But I think we've seen much more, that there's much more to him this season. Technically, he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, that little thing he did to set up the first goal was, was absolutely superb. He left the Everton defender for dead. And of course, that free kick was just, if Kevin De Bruyne, I say, who's not really in the sort of form he was last season, he would have blazed that free kick over the bar. But Morris's kick was absolutely spot on. He's dragging us in some way. Well, sounds a bit dramatic, but in some ways he's dragging us through games at the moment. Ray, goal line technology is our friend, isn't it? VAR isn't, but uh, GLT is, <laughs> isn't it? Well, it's helped us again. I mean, actually, for that, for our third goal, I actually thought it didn't go in. I was, because I just thought Sterling's done it again. He's missed another good opportunity. You know, and, and I, I'd already written some notes in Sterling that he'd been poor, chicken out of tackles. You know, poor this, poor that, and then he pops up and scores after 84 minutes. I thought it was it, the goal was uh, made by Aguero mainly. He was nice playing in, in the middle. He, he passed it out to Mares on the right, and something unusual for Aguero. He followed the ball. Mares had the ball. He was jinking this way, that with the defender. Does he come inside? Does he go outside? When he decided to go on the outside, suddenly up pops uh, Sergio Aguero to nick the ball from him and put it into the box. I think he hit one of the Everton defenders and Raheem Sterling kind of took his time. He didn't lash at the ball, um, but it hit the crossbar. It went over. As I said, I never thought it went in. But goal line technology, um, you know, is a better man than I am. That uh, ball crossed the line. 
and and it was it was a goal that pretty much settled the game, settled our nerves, and we got the the best out of a four goal thriller. Yes, there's another player that didn't really get a, a very good uh, score by Mr. Brennan. But uh, yeah, you've brought it all back to me, Ray. That that, that was Sergio. Uh, he just he surged forward and jinking, dancing feet. He he basically made that goal. Um, and it was it was it was wonderful. Sterling obviously was very very disappointing. I I, I think would be the the correct word. But yeah, he got us that goal, and that really took the pressure out of the game. Obviously, we get to three, then it's obviously a, a lot harder to come back from. But um, yeah, absolutely. Um, other other points in the second half is quite funny actually. There was a there was a particular moment where the referee Michael Oliver goes sprinting back. He's not up with play and it was absolutely just looks so much like Forrest Gump. I don't know if you saw that. Um, <laughs> you know, yes, with the I'll arms. I'll never be able to look at Michael Oliver in the same way again. <laughs> yeah, no, they make fun of the way that Raheem Sterling runs like a, you know, a dinosaur with little, little hands. But um, my goodness, that was so funny. Michael Oliver there, but um, yeah, yeah, there I mean, we go. I want to just uh, talk about a bit more about Edison for the saves he made. There was one just after half time where Everton had a free kick that um, Richarlison was looking for a free kick and Zinchenko obliged by just badging into his back. It wasn't, re- for me anyway, it wasn't really a free kick, but Richarlison was looking for it and uh, and Zinchenko was uh, was naive to, to, to give him that opportunity. And Mina rose from, uh, he was about six yards out, free header, because I think it was Zinchenko trying to jump in. With, and that's one where uh, Edison tipped it over the bar um, but then he had a, another save where uh, later on in the game where he, he from another, I think it was a corner, mean a free header, and he pushed it wide. And there was another save, and I've written great save from uh, from uh, from Mina from the corner. And then he did one from Calvert-Lewin. So the Calvert-Lewin one was uh, poor defending where I think we just stepped up and he just he basically ended up uh, on, on the edge of the six-yard box with only uh, Edison to beat. Edison came out very quickly. And it deflected off him for another corner. So I think we've got to give him great credit. And you know, you can argue, you know, it's not just scoring goals and creating goals that wins matches. It's making crucial saves at crucial times in the match that also helps to win the game. And I think Edison did that today. Yeah, I hope he hasn't broken his thumb though. It I mean, like- it, it certainly looked like that. And you would not necessarily know until you know much later because he was, pro- he was no, able to. Play on because I think of guts, you... and he didn't want to come off, and there wasn't a long left. But the way he was holding his hand, it felt like you know there was some some uh, uh, more serious damage inside his glove. Yeah, and also, um, was there a suggestion that maybe the reason KDB came off? Some people have said it looked like a, a groin strain or, or something like that. What did you think? He looked like he had a groin problem. He, you know, he's wincing a bit when he came off. He came off with just over ten minutes of the game to go. Uh, that's when Bernardo Silva came on. But apparently tonight, uh, he's, his words uh, in the uh, press area was, I think I feel fine. So, you know, um, it's positive news. And uh, when there's positive news, you've got to take it positively. Absolutely. I'm just looking at the league table now. Manchester City, 27 goals for, and I, that is some kind Almost of record after, after, yeah, after seven games. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I read that... It, it's not since the the turn of the century that that many goals has been scored in seven league games. But then, of course, we do have the problem that the team above us yeah. have won all of their it's seven games. It's a funny games. thing. In, in, uh, I was reading something about Liverpool either before today's game and or listening on the radio, and they said, if Liverpool carry on scoring, 
And this is quite a funny thing. If they carry on scoring at the rate they're scoring, they'll get 104 goals this season. Yeah? And, and no one no one bothered to mention that, hang on, if City carry on scoring at the rate they're scoring, Liverpool can get their 104 goals. We will get 152. So... <laughs> They, they they do sort of they absolutely do sort of fail to mention these things. It's, it's it's quite staggering, really. There's some very very interesting other little stats in here, and uh, uh, one of them is that Kevin De Bruyne has provided eight assists in the Premier League already, and there's only one player that's ever uh, done that in his first uh, seven games before. Pop quiz: Can you name him? Is he a Manchester City player? No, it's a former Arsenal Terry player. Terry Henry? No. Former Arsenal player? Yeah. Wow. No, this was back in the 2009-2010 season. This was a guy that likes to throw pizzas. It's before my time. I mean, I've only sported City since the takeover, Mike. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Chesk Fabregas. The pizza thing should have given it uh, away to you. All the pizza thing did is make me hungry. So I'm now thinking of a Quattro Formaggio... And you're talking about uh, Cesc Fabregas. I'm hungry now. It's, it's, it's almost midnight in Paris. I'm not getting a pizza at this time of night. <laughs> well, maybe this might this this next one might um, produce some kind of reaction in you too. This one, Riyad Mahrez has now been directly involved in 17 goals in his last 17 starts for Man City in all competitions. Seven goals, 10 assists, including nine in his last seven, that's four goals, five assists. To be honest, wow. I prefer to look at the Premier League stats because, you know, that's a slightly higher level of football. But still, if you're doing that level of, you know, in, in, in the Premier League and in England, that's a decent return. It's more than a decent return. But but look, I'm not always a happy-go-lucky chap. I'm always, uh, but I, I also notice things at the other end. And Everton had the more shots on target against City, the most that any side has managed in a Premier League game. Since 2015. Yeah, three years. Three years. And it's getting worse and worse. Well, I'll, re- I'll repeat, it's not just the fault of the defenders. It's the fact that they get the other teams are getting through to our defenders to make them look bad. I mean, they're not the best at defending, um, but we're set up to have 70 or 75% of the ball. So where does the fault lie? What can you Score do more about balls it? quickly. That's it. Look at Watford. Watford had an early chance last week, but we scored five in 20 minutes. We were putting our early chances away. I say, I say again, if Gundogan had scored his goal and we'd got the, the, the goal that we did score, Everton are not coming back from that. What you're basically saying is that we have to rely on the old Kevin Keegan at Newcastle approach. You score three, we no, score just, four. No, we don't need... We should. That's what we're doing at the moment. We're relying on the fact that, you know, against... Okay, teams score one goal, we score three. But we should be relying on the fact that we score two or three goals early. We are clinical early in the game. Then you can take your foot off the pedal. I think if Sergio Guerra is playing that, this game from the start, you know, it's no slight on Gabby Jesus, who's uh, looking at his stats. He scored 22 goals in his last 21 starts for club and country. The last six games that he started for, for City, he scored in each of them. So, you know, it's not to be negative about Gabby J, but I think Aguero would have scored a couple of goals early and the game would have been put to bed. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying Aguero is perfect. You know, he has his own, makes, makes his own mistakes, but I just think he gives us a different level of threat uh, than Gabby J, Jesus does in front of goal. I miss Leroy Sané. <laughs> how, how much are we are we missing Leroy Sané, Colin Sanchez? Um, obviously, Leroy, um, 
I don't know. Is it a case of absence making the heart grow fonder? Because Leroy, up to his injury, hasn't been playing particularly well, I, I don't think. We, we've not really, all this contract stuff, we've not really seen the, the Leroy we know and love. Obviously, someone like Leroy is an option to bring off the bench, isn't it? If, for example, he'd been on the started on the bench today, he would have come on after about an hour for Sterling. Because Sterling had, had an yeah. absolutely goal excluded. Had an, and even that goal, you know, um, he should have been straight in the back of the net, not down off the bar. He had a dog of a game. Um, nothing came right, went right for him. Um, and I think we would have seen Leroy on about 60, 65 minutes today had he been on the bench. Just uh, thinking about travails we were having at the back, I, you know... I just don't understand this, Ray. Listening to, um, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but listening to a podcast, the Transfer Window podcast, the Duncan Castles. Uh, uh, before you say anything about Duncan Castles, we all know that he is good at his job. But um, he talks about City being in for this guy, Ruben Diaz, I think, uh, a centre-back in Spain. And uh, it just goes against everything that you always say. We can't sign anyone unless we sell someone. So why do we keep getting linked with uh, January purchases, I don't, I don't get it. From people, you know, they know their trade and they, they must know this. Not, Ray. Why, why does it keep happening? They, because in amongst the nuggets, they've got to talk a load, load of rubbish. If you can only talk about things that are certain, that are more than likely to happen, that you have good inside information on, there's not going to be much for you to talk about. So if you're going to do a transfer podcast that lasts for an hour, let's say, I, I, since I've never listened to old um, politically challenged Duncan Castles. And that's the nicest thing I can say about him. I don't know how long his podcast lasts, but if you're going to talk for an hour, you're going to, there's going to be an awful lot of filler if you're only going to talk about things you're 99% sure are going to happen. And you're just going to come up with stuff. Ruben Diaz, a Portuguese uh, defender, he's 22 years of age. So he doesn't qualify as uh, an under 21, obviously. Uh, you don't need to be a mathematician or an accountant to know that. He's 22 years old. The only way we can get him is if we exclude somebody else from the squad, another non-homegrown player, because Ruben Diaz is non-homegrown. And as Cheeky Bagheristan said to me personally, to my face, you name dropper, you. As he said to me, we can't buy anybody until we, unless we leave somebody out of the squad. Or yeah, that's it, you know. Uh, and we, our non-homegrown quarter is full. We're allowed seven. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just laughing at Colin Savage call, calling Ray know, a name dropper. This is Colin Savage. This is, this is Colin Savage. Who I was just talking to Tommy yeah. Boo the other yeah, day. Yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we are the boat from the blue podcast. We would never do anything as scurrilous as try to, you know, just put in things for filler. Here's another interesting factoid for you guys. <laughs> just as a filler, uh, David Silva, his 200th Premier League win. And in his 289th game, this makes him the quickest ever player to reach that total in less than 300 games. He's overtaken the great John Terry. What do you think about that, Colin? I think it's fantastic. Uh, uh, you know. But, um, yeah, you're playing in a side like City. Under, you know, you're going to get more wins and, and losses, obviously, aren't you? But if you think um, David Silva came into the side under Mancini, and in that kind of two fairly nondescript seasons under... Pellegrini, Pep's first seat. So, yeah, an interesting thing about David Silva, and I've said this before, is that we talked about Mares dragging us through games. David Silva's not really that sort of player. He's not the sort of player, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, but he's not the sort of player who wins your games on his own most of the time. 
he's just that solid presence in midfield and he's probing and he's running between the lines and he's finding the spaces and he's playing in those little passes. But he's not grabbing... I used to use this as a criticism, but I think I was wrong to do so. He's not. He's rarely grabbing games by the scruff of the neck and dragging us through by kind of force of presence. I mean, I've seen him do it a couple of times. I think we played... Um, a few seasons ago, we played at Hull. And we were, I think did we go down to 10 men quite early on? And David Silver was absolutely magnificent that game. He he ran that game and he did drag us through. And there's been a couple like that. But but most of the time, he's just there in the background, isn't he? And he does he does what David Silver does. And it's that, that you know, keeps us ticking. And yet, say, he's always looking for weaknesses. He's always trying to probe the, the, the kind of weak spots in the opposition defence. He's drifting into spaces. He's drifting away from his marker. He's playing those incredible. Or I saw something the other day. I've had a go with a few people over there comparing David Silver to Colin Bell. And my position is they are completely different players. You cannot compare them because they're played in a completely different style. If you want to compare anyone to Colin Bell, it's got to be someone like perhaps Kevin De Bruyne or Yaya Toure. David Silver and Colin Bell is not a comparison because. They just Colin Bell couldn't do some of the things that David Silver does, and I don't think David Silver could do some of the things that Colin Bell did. But oh, what a wonderful little player! It's been a privilege to watch him, hasn't it? And I think there's going to be a few tears shed at the end of the uh, season when he says his goodbyes. Yeah, Ray, we're we're going to not have enough room for statues because I mean we've we've got one in the works or a sculpture anyway on uh, Vincent Company. You've got to do you've got you surely got to do the same for yeah. Aguero. <laughs> You've got to do the same for David Silva and probably also Zabaleta, I don't maybe? Think, I'm not sure about Zabaleta because if, yeah. I think if, if they would have wanted one, he's been gone, this is his fourth was it fourth year gone or third year gone, they'd have done one for Zabaleta already. So if they're going to do one for Vinny, I, th- I think that there'll be one for David, there'll be one for Sergio and probably by the time he leaves, if he carries on at this rate for the next three or four seasons, Kevin De Bruyne as well. But... You know, we're going to end up with more statues uh, around the players than than the bees around Manchester at, the, uh, at this rate because we, we look, we've got quality players who are staying for a long time. You know, company eleven years, silver ten years. I think Aguero will be will be ten years. KDB will probably get, I think, to about eight years with City before he leaves. And Sterling will probably, you know, will stay for eight to ten years as well. So. We're going to have a lot of statues around the place. You know, some people say it's like Man United's defence; it's full of statues. Well, we're going to have as many commemorating old players around our place. Two home games coming up: Tuesday, the first of October, against Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League, and then Sunday, the sixth, against Wolves in the Premier League. There's an international break after the Wolves game. Is that that's right? right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. There's interesting ties. I tell you what, guys, I'm going to be quite interested in seeing Liverpool there against Red Bull Salzburg, where they will come up against the giant son of Alpha Inga Holland, who's a guy that's scoring for fun. Didn't he have a, he had uh-huh. a great performance in the last round of games, didn't he? That's right. I, mean, he's, I think he's become the youngest scorer in European competition. He was a guy that played for the, the national under-21 side and scored nine goals in a game. Uh, I think it was the under-21 uh, World Cup. This is... Um, Erling Braut Holland, and the son of Alpha Inga Holland, the the guy who um, had all of those scrapes with Roy Keane back in the day. So um, that should be interesting. I hope he doesn't sign for Man United. He's obviously been uh, tutored at Molde by um, Solskjaer, but um, that should be very very interesting. Liverpool think that they're going to you know walk this game and, and make up for their loss against Napoli, but that'll be a difficult one. 
um, with that guy, a good test of their defense. But, um, yep, interesting. Zagreb and then Wolves and uh, then the international break. Confident that we'll get the two wins, eh, Colin? Yeah, I mean, Zagreb were uh, quite impressive against Atalanta uh, in the last round of games. There will be an interesting um, it will be an interesting uh, game because sometimes we're a bit, um, we're not quite on it, are we, when we're at home? In the early games of the Champions League, but you would expect us to to win that one, and that puts us in a great position, as Ray said earlier, to win the group. You know, six points out of a possible six. Wolves, yeah, I mean, they've not. The danger is that they've um, just come into form a little bit. Although I, I'm not really sure getting a result at home against Watford is anything to crow about, unless you score eight goals, of course. <laughs> but, but yeah, Wolves are tough. Will, will be tough. So we can go into the national, international break having won those two. Hopefully, Stones might be back after it. We'll see where we stand. Results here in the Premier League tonight: um, Chelsea two, Brighton nil. Tottenham 2, Southampton 1, Tottenham back into the top four. It's very interesting what's going on at Tottenham, uh, Colin, actually, because every time you hear Pochettino, he looks like he's, he's morphed into Mourinho and he's, he seems to be wanting to talk his way out of this job. It seems like he's run his course, doesn't it, at the moment? You, you never really know, but I saw a rumour that he would take Christian Eriksen to Real Madrid. Spurs, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because he's done a great job there. I think you, you can't deny he's done a fantastic job. But it's a question of ambition with Spurs. You can perhaps have a, a good season as they've had, but when, when you're not spending as much as the teams around you, you can only do that for so long because unless you spent very unwisely, uh, I think we know a club not far from this particular neck of the woods that hasn't spent particularly wisely, even if you spend reasonably wisely, you're going to run into that situation whereby your, your opponents, the teams around you are spending a lot more. And I say, as long as they don't, as long as the teams that are spending more don't spend it unwisely, then you're going to fall back at some point. And Pochettino must be sitting there thinking, I, you know, I could be doing so much better for myself. But there seems to have been a bit of a sea change there this season. You know, it's a funny old season, isn't it? Where a team like Wolves, who, who we thought was pushing the top six, are down in 13. Watford, cup final, three points clear at the bottom. West Ham third, Arsenal and Chelsea. You know, well out, not well out the top four, but uh, but both are. Arsenal could get back in with a, a point on Monday. Let's hope they get all three, of course. So, so you know, it, it's a seems seems to be this. You know, some of the teams you expect to perform: Sheffield United above teams like Wolves, Everton, Watford. Pretty much brings you to the end of this podcast, guys. Before we go, as usual, we'll just say cheerio to the chaps. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ray. Absolute pleasure, Mike. Absolute pleasure, as always. And Mr. Savage, thank you for sharing your genius with us tonight. Again, likewise. <laughs> Guys, that's all we have for you. We'll be back with you after the next game against Zagreb. So until then, have one on us and up the blues. Brotherhood, 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 brother